When COVID first hit, our phones were ringing off the hook and patients were looking to be seen quickly. So um, we created a clinical call center almost overnight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Healthcare IT News' new Changemaker podcast, a HIMSCast production. My name is Mike Milliard. I'm executive editor of Healthcare IT News. In the coming months, we'll be spotlighting the winners of the inaugural 2021 HIMS Changemaker Awards, which recognize healthcare executives and technology leaders who rigorously challenge the status quo in their journeys to build a brighter health future. Today's episode is brought to you by Google Chrome Enterprise. Reduce time spent with old tech and increase time spent on patient care. Keep doctors, nurses, EMTs, and other healthcare pr- practitioners connected to critical information no matter where they are with secure cloud-first devices. To learn more at chromeenterprise.google/os/healthcare. So our very first guest today for the Changemaker podcast is Allison Connolly Flores, who is the Chief Medical Information Officer at Bronx-based Urban Health Plan. Welcome, Allison. Thank you for being here. Thank you. You know, uh, if we could just start, perhaps just say a bit about yourself and a bit about Urban Health Plan. Um, what sort of provider is it and what makes it unique? Sure. So um, I'm a physician assistant and the chief medical information officer at Urban Health Plan, where I've been actually for the past 22 years. Um, I was hired initially to open one of their first satellite sites um, and also see patients. And then uh, back in 2001, they asked me to take on a one-year job to implement our first electronic health record. Uh, And now here we are today. So um, Urban Health Plan, uh, I think there's a lot of ways really that make it unique. Um, and I'll highlight a few. I think it's really our culture of continuous quality improvement and innovation that sets us apart. Um, we differ in from some of the other FQHCs in that we offer primary care, but we also have about 18 subspecialties, um, including a breast imaging department. We have a state-of-the-art kitchen called La Cocinita, where we offer nutrition and um, cooking classes for both, for both patients and also employees. Um, some, unfortunately that's on hold right now because of the pandemic, but I'm looking, really looking forward to getting that started again. Some of the other aspects that make us unique are that we have a um, nurse practitioner and PA residency program. We have a community-based research center, um, that uses a collaborative approach to research that involves both the communities and their healthcare providers with academic institutions and pharmaceutical companies. Um, Another thing that sets us apart, I think, is that we're not only concerned with the health of our patients, but also the health and vitality and economic vitality of our neighborhoods. We're the largest employer in one of our zip codes, um, and we also have a fantastic workforce development program that helps job seekers um, with resources such as career planning, resume writing, um, being able to obtain their GED. Um, And lastly, um, we have a charter school named the Dr. Richard Izquierdo um, Health and Science Charter School that was established in 2010. And it was really set up to help address the disparities in education in the area. Um, These students are given really a nurturing and challenging um, environment, educational environment, and they're given the chance to become EMTs if they choose to before they graduate. And it's really a pipeline into um, healthcare careers uh, that'll help serve our neighborhoods better. That's terrific. You know, say a bit about your patients. I mean, obviously, you're, you're in New York City. Uh, I'm sure they come from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different languages, um, different health challenges. Um, you know, w- what's your patient population like? Sure. So um, 
Last year, we served about 91,000 patients, and our centers are in um, really New York City's poorest neighborhoods, including the South Bronx, Corona, Queens, and Central Harlem. Uh, Our Bronx sites are actually located in one of the poorest congressional districts in the country with a median income of just uh, a little under $20,000. So we saw about 400,000 visits last year, and our patients really, I think, represent a community that historically has faced challenges, both culturally, linguistically, um, also economic barriers, uh, and they don't typically have access to high-quality primary and specialty care. Um, So these barriers have resulted in really a a high prevalence of chronic diseases, acute conditions, and hospitalizations uh, that exceed a a lot of local uh, city and state rates. So I think despite that, we've been able to become a leading health center, both uh, locally and also nationally. Excellent. And uh, technology has helped you do that. I mean, the EHR obviously has been uh, key to enabling some of the care improvements you've been able to make. It has. So um, what are some of the most gratifying things about serving uh, as a CMIO at a a place like that? Sure. I think what I love the most is really the position itself. I love blending um, the IT world and also uh, the clinical work. I really like being able to implement new solutions and be able to try them out myself while I see patients. I think um, it's really important. I think key is continuing to see patients because I'm not asking anybody to do something that I'm not doing myself. Um, I'll also test things out with my patients. So some new technology I'll test out uh, with my own patients and get feedback and, and see if they find that it's easy to use or too challenging or just not beneficial. So I think that's been um, really a big help. Uh, I think I'm also really fortunate in that we have such forward-thinking leadership at the organization that's um, open and involved in implementing new technology. We're pretty agile, and we have the ability to adjust to new situations and new technology really quickly. Um, I love the challenges that come up in different workflows and being able to address them um, in different ways to try to find more efficient ways to do things. Yeah, perhaps talk a bit some of, about some of those challenges, uh, you know, delivering care day-to-day uh, in that setting. Sure. I mean, I think most recently, uh, especially when COVID first hit, our phones were ringing off the hook and patients were looking to be seen quickly. So um, we created a clinical call center almost overnight uh, to be able to handle all those acute telehealth visits. Yeah, uh, that was what I was going to ask next. New York City obviously was hit hard um, and, and early uh, and fast by, by COVID-19 back in, in you know, March 2020. You know, yeah. Talk a bit about those early days, perhaps. Um, did you feel at the moment that your technology infrastructure was kind of up to the task, or did you kind of have to really scale up? Um, you know, for instance, what was your telehealth you know, infrastructure like before then, and, and how quickly did it expand? Sure. A lot of that's really a blur. New York City was really the epicenter of the, of the pandemic. Um, so no, we, we weren't ready. Uh, we didn't have computers in our exam room. We had computers in our exam room. We didn't have cameras in our exam room. We had issues with bandwidth. We had issues with wireless. Um, we had to really scramble to be able to get up to speed very quickly. Fortunately, we received, um, funding from the FCC grant and we were able to correct our technology limitations pretty quickly. That's great. Um, and how will telemedicine and remote patient monitoring, you know, continue to factor uh, into your care delivery mix 
going forward? You know, we're, we're hopefully emerging from this pandemic and, and emerging into something of a new normal, but uh, is telehealth here to stay at, uh, at Urban Health Plan? Definitely is. I think um, it just, the increased access and improved efficiencies it offers, I think just is something that won't go away. Um, I think the focus, at least for us, will um, continue to evolve from really providing episodic acute care to becoming more, uh, I guess, deliberate and proactive in our approach. So we've been using telehealth now since the pandemic started um, a, a lot for acute care, but we've begun probably in the past six or seven months to also focus on um, different initiatives like chronic disease ma management, other population health initiatives, um, patients that have been perhaps non-compliant or just very difficult to reach, reaching out to our most vulnerable patients. Um, I also think remote patient monitoring as part of our telehealth strategy is just going to continue um, to expand. It's still, reimbursement is still a little bit of a challenge uh, surrounding remote patient monitoring for us, but I think that's going to um, continue to evolve and improve over time. All right. Um, any other, you know, recent IT success stories that you'd like to kind of highlight? Uh, any, any, you know, gains, uh, whether clinical or operational, you know, from, from the technology you deployed there? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think the implementation of a pretty robust chronic care management and remote patient monitoring program in conjunction with a newly um, implemented home visiting program for our frailest patients, I think um, that's exciting and I think it's going to be, we're really going to be able to offer um, great care for our patients as a result. That's terrific. So, you know, you came into Urban Health Plan and, and uh, you were tasked with, with implementing the EHR. Um, and it's been in place. And, you know, as we know, getting it installed and getting folks to use it is not the end. Uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of EHR optimization um, things that can happen to, to, to make it a, a more useful tool. And I know that's something you spend a lot of time thinking about. You know, what are, what are some lessons you learned about what works and what doesn't, both for clinicians and, and, you know, maybe some best practices just in general about EHRs? Sure. I, I think one of the things that um, I guess I'll say bothers me the most about EHRs are cookie cutter templates. I, I hate getting a consult note back that's 10 pages long and really doesn't address or the problem um, that they were there for is really buried somewhere in the 10 page note because they're just, you know, um, merging over a template or copying, uh, copying a template. So I think um, one of the biggest challenges is finding the most efficient way to document really meaningful notes. Um, one of the things that I think has worked relatively well for us is, um, I'll call it, I guess, decision support um, in terms of documentation, creating structured fields for different programs, such as uh, for our care of older adults and also for our anticoagulation clinic. I think consistently documenting things that are important to that specialty or area um, are critical and it really, it helped us become an anticoagulation center of excellence um, recently. And I think it's based on how consistently we're documenting as an organization different things. Um, but it is definitely an ongoing challenge and I think a struggle and I think really the biggest frustration for clinicians, I'll say one of the, my biggest frustrations, is just the amount of time um, it still takes to document a good note. So we're, I haven't solve that problem yet. We're looking at some different solutions and we're going to try out some new things um, hopefully soon. But I think it's it's probably one of um, clinicians' biggest frustrations uh, and, and challenges. 
So we find ourselves, you know, thankfully, in most places, in, in, a, in a much better spot than we were even just a year ago. Um, and thanks largely to these, you know, near miraculous vaccines, um, which have uh, really changed the equation. And um, I was hoping you could discuss perhaps your, your vaccine, you know, vaccination outreach there in the Bronx. Um, what sort of technologies is used? What sort of, you know, patient engagement tools? Um, you know, how did you get folks folks in to get their get their doses and uh, and get them vaccinated? Sure. Uh, we did fairly aggressive text messaging campaigns. Uh, we sent out probably in excess of 90,000 text messages. Um, and we would do that, you know, initially when the vaccines first were available, it was uh, limited who we could text because it was very uh, restricted about who we were allowed to give the vaccine to. As that expanded, we would text uh, larger numbers of patients. If patients did not have a cell phone um, capable of texting, we would do automated um, phone calls uh, encouraging the patient to come in and get the vaccine or giving them a number that they could call to then schedule an appointment. We also have an online scheduling system that we implemented pretty quickly um, so patients could text vaccine to a number and schedule their own appointment. So I think all of those things has really helped and we've been um, we've given about 30,000 vaccines to date. That's great. So it has worked. You know, folks, folks are getting their shots and, and you've got pretty good percentages in, in your zip codes. Correct. Great. Uh, you know, another thing, obviously, that this pandemic has highlighted, uh, and it's something folks thankfully have been talking about for a few years, even before, uh, but it's really come to the fore now, is social determinants of health. Um, how has your approach to, you know, SDOH changed there at Urban Health Plan since the pandemic? Um, are you going to be doing anything different going forward? I have to say, I think that's really always been our focus. It's really what we're based on, and we've been addressing social determinants of health um, forever. I think, um, I think food insecurity, we've been paying a lot more attention to. Um, I think as providers, we always have to keep that in our heads. I'll give you an example. We implemented remote patient monitoring and I thought, oh great, everyone's going to be compliant. We're giving them a tablet, a blood pressure device, a glucometer. Um, and I think I was initially surprised, even though I've been there a long time, that there were a lot of patients that still weren't compliant. Um, and I think it's always important to dig deeper and make sure you're addressing really their most pressing needs. If they are at risk for losing housing, if there's food insecurity, taking their blood pressure is probably not in the forefront of their mind. So I think always keeping that, um, always paying attention to that, always asking about it because things could change pretty quickly, I think is, is key for us to, um, to be the best providers that we could be in the end. So, um, so I, I think our approach hasn't really changed. It's just uh, we've been collecting that data for, for years and years and really addressing that with our patients forever. So, Well, I was going to ask if maybe you have some lessons for others, though, because, you know, I know that one of the challenges is just sort of the nuts and bolts of, of data management when it comes to SDOH. You know, EHRs were not necessarily stood up to be able to handle um, some of the um, the, the, the data and information related to, to you know, social determinants. Um, have, do you guys have any tips or tricks with, with regard to um, data governance or just, uh, you know, workflow issues around SDOH? So there are some um, structured or, or recognized tools now, like the PREPARE. We had created our own um, comprehensive health assessment many years ago that we would collect the data in a structured format um, and in a standardized way. Um, I think it's important that those questions are updated every time the patient's seen, because like I said, things can change 
relatively quickly for people, even if they had if they were here three months ago, um, the situation could have changed. And what was once stable, now either they're no longer safe in their environment, or um, they've lost a job and they need help with food, or they're at risk for losing housing. So I think um, the most important thing is asking the question. Um, I think a lot of times. Uh, People could get frustrated that they're not taking medication or they're not compliant with medication. And if you ask the question, are you able to afford your medication? Are you able to pick up your prescription? Um, it really changes the dialogue. Any other you know, recent initiatives or, or new initiatives, you know, hopefully now that you have the bandwidth, you know, the pandemic is subsiding a bit, you know, as you look to the future, are you undertaking any new projects, any new st strategic goals uh, for the year ahead that you'd like to highlight? So I think, um, as I mentioned before, I think uh, one of projects I'm most focused on right now is um, enhancing our um, chronic care management, our remote patient monitoring program, um, and the home visiting program, really, for our frailest patients. I think also being able to refine and enhance our patient engagement strategy um, and communication strategy using texting. I think texting is a fantastic, fantastic tool, but we really have to figure out how to make sure the correct boundaries are in place that providers aren't getting taxed at 11 o'clock at night, that there's a way to, to turn it off um, and make sure it's used appropriately. But I think as a means of communication, it's, it's the way the future is going to go. I, I anticipate our call center will continue to receive or, or start getting fewer and fewer calls, and most of the communication will be done via text. So a basic tool, but a hugely useful one. Um... Any emerging, you know, kind of leading edge technologies that you're excited about as you look to the future? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think there's probably three that come to mind. I think I'm really excited about the potential use for um, AI. Uh, we're hoping to start uh, doing screening for diabetic retinopathy using fundus photography, and they're actually read using artificial intelligence software. So I think it's a great screening tool. We have a huge population of diabetic patients, and this will be a great way um, to be able to see as many patients as we can and screen as many patients as we can. I think AI also will be able to use for many, um, I guess I'll call it routine back-end functions, such as automating the call center, maybe RIT help desk, scheduling appointments. Um, I think I'm also looking forward to seeing the future of wearables and having them become a lot more affordable and being able to transmit that data back to the providers and just having it more accessible uh, for our patient population. Um, and then I think finally, I think the refinement of predictive analytics using DNA sequencing or next generation sequencing to be able to help identify patients and intervene before they develop disease. So which patients are most at risk to develop diabetes? Which patients uh, are most at risk to develop breast cancer? And making sure these patients are screened and treated um, as early as possible. Excellent. So congratulations on your Changemaker Award. Um, you will be recognized uh, at uh, HIMSS 21, which is scheduled for Las Vegas, uh, August 9th to 13th. Uh, any particular education sessions or networking events or, or keynotes that you're particularly excited to, uh, to see when you're out there in Las Vegas? I think I'm most excited to see some of the um, new companies and, and see what new products are available. Like I said, we've been looking for quite a few um, I, I am looking to, um, to engage with. So um, just seeing what is out there that will be able to implement 
to uh, really improve the care that we're able to provide. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Allison, for being here today. This has been a really you know, informative uh, and, and educational chat. I, I appreciate your insights. Thank you. And thanks, of course, to you in the audience for joining us. And thanks to Google Chrome Enterprise for sponsoring today's episode. Chrome OS devices equip practitioners with fast access to information so patients can get the care they need right when they need it. Learn more at chromeenterprise.google/os/healthcare. Thanks again, Allison. It was great to chat with you. Thank you.